If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. We have a mission to improve the welfare of horses throughout the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers and that's what these chats are all about. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Our guest today is Mary Seafried. Mary's a five-star judge. She's currently one of the 30 Olympic-level dressage judges in the world. She's judged at the Olympic Games, the World Equestrian Games, the European Championships FEI World Cups, as well as the Asian Games and Southeast Asian Games. How are you, Mary? I'm fine, thank you. Good, good to talk to you, Mary. Now, I know you've got a favourite quote lined up for us. Can you tell us a bit about it? It's not so much a quote, but advice, I guess, because mm-hmm. I do do a lot of education of judges, and I think I want to make it clear to them that you never stop learning. Don't ever think that you know it all and that we really do need to remain curious in our mind and keep on learning, take the opportunities. Okay, I think that's a good one, and not just for judging. I think it's just a good one to have around horses as well, you know, to remain curious. A life skill. It is, it (laughs) is, for sure, for sure. Now, Mary, tell us a bit what your very first memories were with horses. Oh, my first memories were... My family ran a bakery and during the war, because of the shortage of petrol and tyres, were forced to use horses for delivery of bread, even though they'd had motorised vehicles before then. So those horses that were used were always in my memory. I was very tiny at that time after the war, but it continued for a while. And then my mother And my two older sisters, they were right into horses, both in jumping, showing, not dressage in those days because it was a little early. So always had horses in my life, but I was never a rider at that time. Although I could ride, I could muster, I could do all of those sorts of things, but not a sport rider. And it wasn't until I went to university that I really took up dressage as such. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So in your early days, were you doing more jumping and, as you say, all round just sports? Yep. Yeah, I did a bit of everything. I used to event jump Mm -hmm. because I had one horse that he was quite a good jumper. And then I also had another horse for dressage and avenging. So by the way, I've also been an endurance rider, but a long time ago. (laughs) And I did both the Tevis Cup and another cup in the United States. Okay. So I'm one of the few people that's got a buckle. Wow. I didn't, yeah, it's something that I, the amount of time, the long time that I have known you, I didn't know that. So, um, no. Yeah, yeah. Brings back memories for you then. <laughs> yes, it does. Mary, what made you start judging then? You know, you got involved with dressage, but why judging? Reached a point in my life where to be a successful competitive rider, without frustration on me. Um, I just ran out of time because I had a profession. I had a family, two children, and I really decided then, well, I'll put my competitive right on the back foot and I'll um, start to put something back into the sport. So that's basically 
where I started to go on some committees and, you know, including what we now call Equestrian Queensland and also to start a judging career. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You certainly spent quite a few years giving back to the sport. I'm sure many more years giving back than what you were actually riding in it. If someone wanted to start a judging career and you get people, you know, when they first start to develop their eye, what's some of the core skills or character traits that they need to start to become a judge? I think there's certainly character skills you needed. You you need to be a person who's objective, fair, fair minded, mm-hmm. of a strong character but not opinionated. You need to be able to think about helping other writers through your judging comments and your judging process. So I think those are characteristics. You don't go in it to judging for the glory of it, really. And I think some people sometimes go into international careers maybe not with the um, the right objective is mm. probably how mm. I would say. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And having that strong character but not being opinionated, that's a bit of a balance, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. I don't mean a strong character. I mean a firm character, really, mm-hmm. So, because mm-hmm. you need that to be objective and impartial. You need to be able to have a logical way of thinking as yeah. well Yeah. because you've got to be able to consistently give scores for a pirouette. An eight at the beginning of the competition is also an eight at the end mm. and not be too much influenced by outside factors such as a a rider's reputation or those sorts of things. That's Mm. one of the hardest things because it can be subconscious rather than conscious, but you need to learn how to focus on the job that you're doing Mm -hmm. because it's thousands and thousands of marks giving Mm. during one big event and that requires a focus and a timing and a fitness really and to be able to really put aside anything that's outside of that field of play, if you like. Mm. Mm. It's almost another endurance in itself, isn't it? You know, thinking, <laughs> you know, but, but judging, if, you, if you're judging for two or three days even, you know, at some of the really big events, it can be quite, mm. quite hard. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes, it can be tiring mm. to be able to keep fresh. Yes, yes. Fit. Mm. What's the best thing? about being a dressage judge? Oh, I always say you've got the best seat in the show, really. Yes, yes. (laughs) And there's, of course, some memorable judging experiences that you have, which they're exciting. They're so innovating. Mm -hmm. You just feel lucky that you've been one who's witnessed this wonderful performance. Yes. And Mm -hmm. also, for all competitions, it's like a challenge. Every judge who's a good judge wants to get it right don't want to make a mistake and judges do make mistakes mm-hmm. we're all human yep and that's why we like to have more than one judge for all of the competitions and we have two three or five or seven and so that is also nice to be part of that team that's doing the judging as well yeah i think i think the greatest excitement is actually giving out high marks seeing a beautiful harmonious ride it's just something that can't be retrieved. And sometimes riders have four or five in their in their lifetime with a combination with a horse where mm. they think everything has gone so well. Mm. Mm. Tell us about 
people, you know, you've influenced quite a lot, not just other judges, but riders and coaches. Who's influenced you? Where's this all come? Where's all this oh, knowledge coming from? Yeah. I would have to say it's people like those people that have taught me in the judging area. Mm. And I would say people like Eric Letter, was excellent chair of dressage. He was excellent teacher of dressage judges. Just trying to think of other names. Stephen Clark, of course. And there's some modern judges now, Katrina Wurst, those sorts of judges all have influences on you. Because not only through the teaching process, Volker Moritz for also is a was a very good teacher of judges. They've influenced you, but it's also the judging discussions that you can have mm-hmm. either at the end with your team or let's say over a glass of wine. It's been great, that experience. And I know it's something I'm going to miss a lot is actually those discussions with my colleagues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's been the highlight of your judging career? Oh, I would probably have to say Sydney Olympics. Okay. That's a very proud moment. Mm, but mm. there have been highlights since then too. And I have to say the European Championships held at Arkin in 2006 and Kentucky, WEG, World Cups, all of those have had fantastic performances in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. were great. Yeah. Okay. Now, just getting to where you are now, you know, you're one of the – the few Olympic-level judges in the world. You're sort of really at the the top of your game as far as dressage judging goes. Mm. What do you think's been your biggest challenge to get there? From a start, I have to say I'm probably lucky in that I seem to be the right person, the right place at the right time. So I certainly had people who helped me along my way. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just, it was Equestrian Australia in the old days. They supported me a lot to attend the international clinics I needed to do to get the accreditation. And then there were individuals who supported me as well. And I think of Nick Williams from New Zealand. He was a great support along the way. Mm-hmm. What's hardest is actually not so much for me. I had great opportunities. But for those coming on and those now is actually... Uh, maintaining your accreditation, which means you there's a requirement to do so many judging assignments every year. Um, you have to attend a refresher clinic once every three years and those sorts of things. Not always possible to do that in Australia. So you nearly always have to find some personal finance to do that as well. Mm-hmm. Not entirely. There is avenues for financial support, both through FEI and through Equestrian Australia. But you have to think you're not going to get paid entirely Mm. from a nation like Australia. You have to travel outside of the country, Mm -hmm. and that can be expensive. Now, tell us about the judges' supervisory panel, because you were the first, and correct me if I'm wrong, the first non-European person to be invited onto that panel. Is that right? Well, yes, I am. There's now another one, which is Linda Zhang from the United States. Mm -hmm. The purpose of the supervisory panel is to keep the judging fair. Mm -hmm. And it's not only fair for the judges, but fair for the riders as well. 
judges can make technical mistakes. The judging supervisory panel is appointed for major championships. And we only make corrections to scores where there's a technical aspect to the movement. For instance, judging a line of nine twos, Mm -hmm. nine by two-time changes, for instance. One judge, depending on where they're sitting, may not see that a a change is not through or or even that there has been one late change. Yep. So we can see that because we have the scores coming through. We have a video, a live video coming through as well, which we can rewind when we see there's been a disparity of two or more in the judge's marks let's mm-hmm. say, on that movement. Yep. So everybody's given it a four or five and the judge is still given it an eight. Something's wrong. Mm. So we quickly rewind the video and we can check exactly what's happened and we can see that there's been mistakes in that line. So we then can change that judge's eight mm-hmm. to one of the marks which has already been recorded by the judges. Yep. We cannot, we cannot, think up a new mark for that. So we never have a role of actually judging ourselves. We take what the judges have used mm-hmm. to make the correction. And so a lot of movements in the tests are not able to be corrected by the, the supervisory panel because they're more about way of going or quality, mm-hmm. and that's not our job. We're only interested in technical mistakes. Yep, yep, okay. Thinking about judges coming on and judges who might reward the horse with an eight and, you know, the other judges have given it or another judge has given it a four or what are judges missing? What can judges do to improve, to make it fair for the riders? What, what, how can they develop their eye? How, you know, what's a tip that you'd like to give out for judges to do? Ah, I think there's so many opportunities now. You can have Websites. You can watch a lot of live streaming, number mm-hmm. one, yep. of competitions. There's Clip My Horse, which you know has archived material as well of mm-hmm. major events. So you can see quality outside of our region. Yep. There's now FEI TV as well. They don't do every FEI event, but they do major ones. Mm-hmm. And then you also have the opportunity to which you can use, which you can use for judging. Like the dressage ship and you just tap in numbers. So you could be sitting down in, maybe it's three o'clock in the morning, but <laughs> you could be sitting down watching a streaming and you can be tapping and practicing judging. And yeah. then mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. many, many shows now have the scores for each of the judges. So yep. you can test your own scores against what the judges have been giving. It's not just the final score, which you might want to do. You can add up your percentage, but and you can see whether you're judging, assessing at the right level. But you can also, in many, many shows, I can't name you all of the websites here because it goes on forever, but you can just click on that final score and then it will bring up a screen with each judge's score movement by movement. Yep. Yeah. So there really is opportunities. We can just take advantage of the opportunities that are there. And then, of course, there's all the other 
more formal opportunities such as mentoring one-to-one at a com- you know, at the side of a competition. Mm-hmm. Judges like doing that. You've got things, shadow judging, some are formal, some are informal. All of those opportunities are there. Okay, yep. And really, staying in the midst of it. Yes. You need to practice yep. your craft mm-hmm. and continue to keep practicing it. Dressage judging and the protocols, if you like, don't stay the same. There is gradual incremental change mm-hmm. occurring. Yep. Or a new protocol has been made, so you need to understand what that's all about. I think that's important. Yeah. It's part of my thing, you know, you never stop learning. It's a changing yep. world. Yep. Now, Mary, tell us about roll curve. Tell us what it is, because the roll curve is a big subject and I've followed forums, watched, you know, there's different people who've got some big ideas on what they are, very strong and, you know, dare I say, opinionated ideas that conflict with some other people that have got very strong and opinionated ideas. So if you can tell us what roll curve is and what the current FEI stand on Rolker is? Well, I'm probably not going to describe it perfectly as the FEI would describe it, mm-hmm. but it is the over-emphasis on bending the horse through the neck so it's so deep and bending through, it's not just the pole, it's behind the pole as well, so that there's almost an over-emphasis on it's almost like a forcing of the horse into this position, theoretically, to build up muscles on the top side of the horse and to raise the back. But it has, I think, now probably been proven that this, if done too long and often, can damage the vertebrae in the area. And probably people are going to criticise me for saying that but through the pole and just behind the pole. Dressage is not the only sport which has used it or is using it, Mm -hmm. but jumping has always been doing it, probably many more years before dressage Mm -hmm. started Mm -hmm. to do it. It was a way of controlling horses, basically. Mm -hmm. Horses that might be too fiery or wanting to shy all the time, whatever, and it's almost chuckling subservience. In the end, mm-hmm. we have other things which are long, long forward and low, and those sorts of things, which are not the same as roll curve at all. Okay. Probably about it's probably five or six years ago now. The there was a forum held within the FEI, and they decided that the use of this in any event in the warm up area, anywhere where an event had started, would have to be controlled and. It can only happen for a certain time. It's certainly not what we want to see at all. Mm-hmm. And I think its incidence has certainly changed now for sure. Okay. It is the lot of the stewards to observe this and they know when to stop somebody in the warm-up arena who may be using this method okay. of training their horse. Just as stewards are also looking after the welfare of the horse with um, nose bands, which may be too tight. Yep. Yep. Not only Hanoverian nosebands, but also drop nosebands, all nosebands, mm-hmm. where the welfare of the horse is influenced through the poor use of this, the abuse of the age. Yep, yep. So it's not really just the judges who... Um... The judges would look 
negatively. No, not at all. If it was used in, that's in the ring though. You know, it's the warm-up, isn't yeah. it, that's got to be watched. Yeah. It is in the warm-up where mm. it occurs, not yeah. in the dressage arena itself. Yeah. What we're looking at is horses that may be too low with the pole generally, mm-hmm. behind the vertical, behind the bit, those sorts of things. And, of course, that influences our assessment of that performance and influences it negatively. Mm. Mm. Okay. No, that's good. I'm glad you sort of had a, a just a talk and an explanation about that. Yeah. Can you recommend a book then for our listeners, something that's going to complement their dressage training or dressage knowledge, I should say, yeah? Look, it depends on what level. You know, there's always the principles of riding the German Mm -hmm. Equestrian Federation. They've just revised the whole thing again. And there's an English version put out by Kenilworth Press. That's actually the basic of starting to ride, dressage riding. Yep. And then, of course, there's many books available for higher levels, if you like. And there's so many magazine articles. And again, I look at the internet now, there's so much material mm-hmm. available. Sarge Today has a lot of teaching materials. They're good articles. Sure, Britain has the same thing. Australia's starting to do that through, you know, journals that we have, Equestrian Life, the Horse Magazine. Sometimes there's some very good articles there. So... I don't think there's a shortage of material, but if you really wanted that basic training for horse and rider to take them up to medium advanced level, then you can't go beyond the principles of riding from the German Equestrian Federation. Yeah, one of our most recommended books, that's for sure. It's a Bible, really. It's a Bible, and the new version looks great. It's got great illustrations in it and it's really quite modernised and I think it's perfect. The Germans are so good at putting things succinctly, you know. Mm-hmm. They don't take a billion words. All right. Now, you talked before about making sure that you remain curious because dressage has changed, certainly since, you know, because you've been judging for a long time and you've seen changes. But where's it headed now? What does the future hold for dressage? You know, have you seen changes that you see are going to be implemented? Can you see things that are changing and happening within the sport of dressage? What are we headed for? Mm -hmm. I think at the moment it's a really exciting time. Mm -hmm. We have so many nations which have come up with new riders, new horses. There's Catherine Dufour from Denmark on, you know, the World Equestrian Games in try on, yep. it's going to be a little bit open at the mm-hmm. top. Okay. There's, there's not the single person who you say, well, that's a laid down, there's mm-hmm. going to be she or he's going to have win the gold medal or the team's medals even. They are really going to be hotly contested. And if you go to a competition, let's say a middle to high level competition in Europe now, so many horses are getting well over 70%. To get anywhere in the middles now, you have to be in 80%. Mm. And there's a, more than a handful that are getting over 80% now. So that standard has changed over time. And the standard in Australia is improving all the time too. But at the same time, this yardstick has been advancing as well. So, mm. Mm. Okay. That sounds good and sounds exciting. Yeah. Oh, it is. It's yeah. absolutely exciting. Mm. 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 The other thing is the judging. I think probably 
there's a desire to make through a protocol of points, which is being worked on right now, to make the judging, I believe it's objective already, but to make it clear it's objective against this standard of points. There'll always be a small element of subjectivity, but that subjectivity related to a judge's expert and trained opinion. Mm-hmm. It's not just an opinion, it's an expert opinion. Yes. This code of points, we already have the Dressage Judges Handbook, FEI, which you probably know about, mm-hmm. but not many riders read that. So it's hoped that this code of points will be also there for the and more easily able to be accessed, not so long, not so wordy, yep. for the riders, trainers and judges mm-hmm. and the spectators, of course, as well. Well, I think if the spectators can understand it, it becomes a better watching sport, you know, rather yep. than just, yep. oh, you know, those horses, horse ballet, mm. which is a good description, mm. horse ballet, but if they don't understand it and don't understand the marks and the rules and everything else, mm. then it, mm. one horse is just like another. Yes, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Mary, in a few sentences, can you summarise your philosophy around dressage? Well... Let's say, above all, we need to reward performances which illustrate harmony in the performance. Mm -hmm. And that's the harmony between horse and rider. So the FEI now has this logo and it's called Two Hearts, One Mind. That's a lovely logo. I I love it. Yeah, I think it's great. And that's in a sense, is the philosophy we should be judging towards as well. Mm-hmm. We need to be able to reward horses that are on the right way in their training, the correct and right way in their training, and have a future and a type of riding which is sympathetic to the horse, which produces this harmonious, balanced performance. Mm-hmm. Basically, that's our task in a way yep. to do that. Yep, yep, good. All right. Now, Mary, how can people contact you? What's the best way? Email's probably the best. Okay. I don't mind if you give out my email address. Okay. Yeah, I'm happy. It'll be on the page anyway, on your Horse Chats page, which will be horsechats.com slash Mary Seafried, or just go to horsechats.com slash Mary, or else you can email Mary, M-A-R-Y dot Seafried, which is S-E-E-F-R-I-E-D at gmail.com. Okay. Mary, thank you so much for talking to us today. It's we haven't had any other Olympic dressage Olympic level <laughs> dressages, I don't think. So thanks very much for uh, for coming on. And I think just giving it us an update, you know, keeping people updated with you know, mm. with what's around, with uh what's what's happening and where dressage is is happening. And I think we are all pretty excited, you know, with mm. the big competitions coming up and so much easier now, you know, with, with even just televised yeah. and, you know, sort of getting to become more and more yes. popular. Yeah. 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 Yes. All right. Good to talk okay. to you, Mary. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. 
Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 